Ciao. Last week, Pastor Peter, he spoke on Jesus prophetically declaring what the end times would look like. Right? Jesus tells us that there's going to be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars, that people are going to faint in, from the terror that's happening around the world. Things that we may even be witnessing currently. And on that, I just want to note that it's our youth that are going to change this world. It's our youth that are going to change this world. Right? I don't know where you stand on the issue, and regardless of where you stand on it, how amazing was it to see youth across the nation this past week protesting against government inaction? That is phenomenal. If you're going to invest in anything, invest in our youth. Today, we are going to see and talk about how Jesus counters the chaos and the terror of the world. Right, we're going to see that he talks about this prophecy from last week about how nations are going to rise up against nations, about how the heavenly bodies are going to shake. Last week, there was this frightening prophecy that he gave, but at the end of this prophecy, he gives us this reassurance. Right, this reassurance is, just hold on to my words, God's words. Just hold on to my words. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away, ever. And then this gospel, this book, Luke, goes right into the Last Supper. They go right into the Last Supper. And scripture is very intentional, if you ask me. And what I see here is that in response to darkness, in response to evil, Jesus says, guess what? Against all that, what you need to do is know me. You need to know me. Come into relationship with me. He invites us to a table. And if your understanding of communion today is that communion is purely symbolic and we do it because of tradition, then I want to challenge you and tell you that you're sorely missing out on something that God is inviting you to partake in. God is inviting you to participate in something with him. So I'm going to challenge you all today, right? We may not believe that the wafers and the grape juice magically turn into the blood and the body, but we do believe that the very presence of Christ is with us in a very special way when we do communion. So we're going to look at why communion is so sacred why it's such a privilege to be able to physically participate in something with Christ. That this is an extremely intimate moment with our Lord and Savior. That when you eat of the body, when you drink of the blood, you make a proclamation. You make a statement that rings out in eternity. So because this this sacrament is so intimate. I want us all to ask us this question to ourselves today. Am I really taking advantage of every opportunity to know the living God? Sit on that for a second. 
Youth, this is for you too, because you don't get a junior Holy Spirit. There's nothing, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. It's all the same spirit. Am I really taking advantage of every opportunity to know the living God? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to this place. And right now, as we sit before you, Lord, gathered in your name, would you help us? Would you open eyes, open hearts? Lord, would you speak to your people? Would your word be heard today? Would your word have authority in our lives? And Lord God, would we be able to stare upon your face today, God, to know you? to be in your presence. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 22, verses 7 to 23. This is the Last Supper. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves, Which of them it might be who would do this. It's the word of God. What we have to look at before we talk about anything in this text is, what's this dinner about? What is actually going on here? So in short, traditionally, Passover is the celebration of the things that happened in the book of Exodus, right? We are celebrating uh, Israel receiving their freedom and liberation from slavery under Egypt. So the Passover meal itself is to celebrate and to remember God passing over houses that have the lamb's blood on the doorposts, right? This lamb's blood was a mark that protected them from the final plague that was going through Egypt. And then the festival of the unleavened bread is actually God bringing the people out of Egypt, right? It's when they were fleeing from Egypt. So we can see in Deuteronomy 16, 3, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, 
because you left Egypt in haste, right? They, they didn't have time to make bread that, had, that could rise. They had to bake it and leave real quick. So that all the days of your life, you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. So this is a really big deal for the Israelites. Big deal, because they are celebrating salvation and liberation. So the Passover is celebrated by sacrificing the lamb and then eating it for dinner. And then the festival of the unleavened bread is when they eat what we call matzah, to remember how quickly they had to flee. But before we go any further, I want to draw your attention to something. I want you to look at and think on how excited Jesus is to have this meal. Jesus looks at Peter and John and he says, go, make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And they say, Jesus, where? Right? And I imagine Jesus looking at them and saying, well, Peter and John, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Verse 10 to 13. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Right? So back then, men didn't really carry jars of water. So this is definitely a divine appointment. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. I look at it kind of like the, when I plan and prepare for my fiance Sonia, or even my friends. And the first thing you have to know about me is that I am not a planner and I am not a preparer, right? It's annoying to a lot of people, I know. But, but when I do plan and when I do prepare, you will know, everyone will know that I have planned and I have prepared, right? Um, so Sonia and I, we, we, we got through a little bit of a rough patch. It was a pretty rough patch and um, we had been fighting a lot because we hadn't been really going on nice dates. We hadn't really been investing in each other. And we justified it because we were saving up money for our wedding. And, you know, we, we just got really busy. You know, we, we didn't really have time to do those things. So we got through this. And I was thinking about it. And I wanted to show her that I loved her and that I was thinking about her. All right. So I'm doing some research online. And I see this Broadway musical with Sonia's favorite singer starring in it. Right? And I'm like, this is perfect because Sonia loves this singer. It's borderline idol worship, right? She loves this singer. So I'm like, perfect. We're going to watch this. And I looked at the tickets. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're a little expensive. They're kind of way out of the range that we have for what we should be spending on a date. But you know what? I made it work. I made it work, right? Financial wizard right here. I made it work, and I got us great seats, right? We were in the front row mezzanine. We had a great view. I checked my calendar, no conflicts. I peeked at her calendar, no conflicts. Right? I prepared all these things, and I was super excited to watch this show, right? Everything was working out, and I was so excited because I knew that she would be so happy, that she would love it so much, that 30 minutes after I purchased these tickets, I had to message her, right? I had to message her. So I message her and I say, Sonia, keep your Sunday evening free because your man's got something going on for us. <laughs> but it's a secret, so don't ask me what it is, right? 
Oh, and she replies, she goes, oh, really? You know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, really? Is it, is it like a surprise? I'm like, yeah, don't you want to know what it is? Don't you want to know? She's like, yeah, I, I do, but I'll, I'll keep it as a surprise. Which to I reply, well, if you ask, then I will tell you. We are going to see Waitress. And she's like, O-M-G, Waitress. And I see it, the tears are welling up. She's like fanning herself. She's like, oh my God, Waitress. And I feel so fulfilled right now because she's so happy. And I can't keep a secret, but who cares, right? Because it is just such a good moment for us. I cannot contain this good news that I have for her. I was so excited that I had to tell her. Do you ever feel like that? That the good news you have is just going to jump out at you. I believe, from what I see here, this is how Jesus felt about this meal. All this divine preparation to have this meal. He's excited. Verse 14 to 16. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have eagerly looked forward to this day that I get to spend with you in this room. The suffering that he mentions here is a foreshadowing of what he will experience on the road to the cross and on the cross. But even with death and suffering looming over his head, Jesus is still able to look forward to this. How crazy is that? Jesus is still able to look forward to this. And it is because that the goodness of the promise that he's giving to them is infinitely greater than death. The goodness of what he is giving to them is infinitely greater than death. That is why he's excited. He has good news for his people. When was the last time we felt that excited to share the good news to people who don't know it. Right? It's March Madness. People are getting crazy for basketball. Do baptisms hype you up? Right? It's kind of weird, right? No hype for baptism. But we should be excited for that, shouldn't we? This news is more than worthy of being shared. And I hope we can share it proudly as a church. Right? Perhaps invite a friend to our Easter service. Amen? Yes. Amen. In light of this news that Jesus has for us, we definitely can see that this is not your ordinary Passover dinner. And if we actually look into the actual dinner, it's a little confusing for you Bible scholars there because there's not one cup but two cups mentioned here. Right, the first cup we see in verse 17, the second cup we see in verse 20. But this is explained easily enough because Passover dinners usually had four cups parsed out throughout the meal. So if you actually look at this passage and you study it, 
you see that the breaking of the bread and the pouring of the cup is not at the beginning of the dinner, but actually towards the end of the meal. It's after the Passover lamb is eaten. So this meal is actually winding down. It's winding down. Then you have verse 19 to 20. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. These are the words of what we call the new covenant. Right? So the word covenant, it means agreement. Right? If you've been in church long enough, you hear this word a lot. It's like a contract with pledges on two sides. So there's an old covenant, which happened in the Old Testament. That's when God brings Israel out of Egypt. And then he says to Moses and the people of Israel, he says, you will be my precious people and I will be your God. And bam, they're in covenant. And then the new covenant is what Jesus is establishing here. Because the old one was not working. It was not working. Right? We see why in Hebrews 8, 7 to 9. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. See, this text comes from Jeremiah. And it tells us that the people of God were unable to stay faithful. Right? They were not able to keep their part of the deal. But instead of just turning his face away from them, instead of giving up on these people, God says, all right, I'll do you one better. And then he sends Jesus. Right? He sends Jesus and he says, I will give you better promises. I will make a better covenant for you. Right? Today, that is what we call a terrible negotiator. <laughs> terrible negotiator. You cannot fulfill your side of this agreement? That's fine. I will fulfill it for you, and I'll sweeten the deal. I will send my son to you. You see, the God we worship is a God of infinite wisdom, amen? He's a God of perfect justice. And he is also a God of endless love and endless grace. That is why we have this covenant. See Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is what God declares for his people, for us. This is amazing news. God says, I will no longer write my law on tablets of stone. I will write them on tablets of the hearts of my people. Oof. That's good stuff. I stole it from Pastor David. <laughs> Where is he? Thank you. I love verse 34, though. 
No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. You see, God's people were unable. We are unable to do this on our own. But God is able. God is able on our behalf. God moves on our behalf because he wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be known by you. How crazy is it that the God we worship, the God of all the universe, the God that we recognize as creator, wants to be known by you? He wants to be known by you. And even though we can't keep our end of the deal, God says, I'll fix it. I got this. I'll fix it. Right? Satan came into the picture. His inherent mission is to destroy this relationship that God has with us. But God says, don't worry, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll send Jesus into the picture. Jesus, who willingly comes, and he says, take my blood. Take my body. Because it's yours. It's for you. You can have this. All you have to do is come to this table, and I will be your sacrifice. I will mediate this relationship. I will be the priest that speaks on your behalf. Just come to this table. Just sit with me at this table. At this table, I have set the kingdom of God before you. I have the keys of the kingdom right here for you. They're yours. All you have to do is sit down and take them. Sit with me. I know some of us in this room feel as though we might not have the words to properly communicate with the Lord. We might not have the right words to say to God. We might not be able to pray the right prayers. Right? Our prayer time might feel dry because we, we don't have these things. But where in all of Scripture, where in all of the Bible does it ever say our words were ever necessary? God says, sit at my table, and it's yours. If you've been keeping up with us through the book of Luke, a large part of Jesus Christ's ministry is eating. It's a great ministry. <laughs> he invites sinners and outcasts to eat with him at the table. And at his table, we see dramatic transformation. Dramatic transformation. We see people like Zacchaeus sitting at the table. Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who stole money from people. He sits down with Jesus, has this meal, and he says, Jesus, I will willingly go into poverty for you. How? How did he do this? All he did was get to know Christ. That's it. All he had to do was get to know Christ. He did nothing besides that. Even though Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, he let Judas sit at his table, and he offers 
his promise to him too. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from. This table is for you. I want us to focus on the actual breaking of the bread at this meal to get a glimpse of the beauty of what Christ is doing for us here. The bread is called afikamen. Right? It means that which comes after. So in the beginning of the meal, they take their matzah, they break off a piece of it at the beginning, and they save it for the end. They take this piece, they wrap it in a piece of cloth, and then they hide it away. Right? They hide it away, and then they invite the kids to play a game with it. Right? The kids have to go looking for this piece of matzah. And when they find it, they bring it back, and in exchange for finding it, they get a reward. Right? A reward is promised to them. When that's done, they unwrap this piece, they break it into pieces, and then they all take part of it. Right? They eat it, and then this meal is over. Right? There's no more eating after that. Jesus is he who comes after. Jesus is he who comes after, but he does not hide from his people. Right? He's out there. He shouts in the temple courts. He is teaching in the crowds, in the multitudes. He's healing people there. He is praying on top of the mountain. And he takes this portion and he says, this is the body that's broken for you. And he hands it to you. He hands it to you. And even though we didn't find it, promises are still rewarded to us. You get to eat the body. You get to drink from the cup as long as you take a seat. And then, when all that is done, this meal is over forever. Because after that, we will never hunger and we will never thirst ever again. When we participate in communion, it's more than just taking a wafer and dipping into grape juice. Our church gets to become a family. We stop being strangers, and we become a family in Christ. As a church, communion is the body of sinners, of outcasts, of misfits, as Metro likes to call it. Worshiping God together by telling him, Jesus, we long for you to drink this cup again. Jesus, we cannot wait for the day that you return. We long for you to return. Jesus looked forward to this meal. And we should as well. So, it makes sense then to go from here into a time of communion. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, I just want to share that um, this church is my family. I really do believe that. I came to this church about seven years ago. And, man, I was a different person back then. I found out that my brokenness and my pain was okay. 
I found out that God didn't despise me because of those things. That God didn't hate me for all the people that I had hurt and all the things that I had ever done. And I was transformed. I was transformed. I know that's our vision statement. You hear it every week. But if transformation is something that is missing from your life, I'll tell you, you're going to find it right here. I promise you, it is a guarantee you will find it right here. So on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let's pray together. At this time, um, I just want us all to bow our heads and meditate on this. And I'm going to invite the servers to come up. But I want you to picture Jesus sitting with you at this table. I want you to picture looking at him face to face. Not his hands, not his feet. You are looking at Jesus in the face because you have been worthy. You have been made worthy enough to do so. And he is offering you his body. He is offering you his blood. He is giving you this bread. He is giving you this cup. And I want to picture you, I want you to picture you receiving it. I want you to look at his face as you receive it. And look at the countenance of his face when you take it from him. Because he could not smile any bigger than that. If you've never been able to take this from the table, to receive what Christ has from you at this table, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt. Christ says, put those things away. They have no place here. I'll take them from you. If it's pain, Christ says, I'll walk in that with you. Whatever it is, Christ will be willing. Because what he wants more than anything in the universe is for you to take it. Let's pray together.
And as you're praying right now, this is family service. This is family worship. Could all of us just put a hand on the shoulder of whoever's next to us? If they're a little far from you, I I give you permission to go out and just touch them. We are one body, united in Christ. These are your brothers, your sisters, your mothers, your fathers, your sons, your daughters. I pray that you meet Christ today that you would look God in the face and see how much joy you give him. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for this time that we have as a family, Lord. We thank you, God, because you love your people. We thank you, Lord, because though we are unfaithful, you are faithful. Though we are unable, you are able. Though we are hopeless, you are eternal hope, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can hope in you because hoping in you does not disappoint, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that each heart would tremble at the name of Jesus, tremble with joy, with delight, at hearing the name of our Savior uttered. And from this moment forward, with our time at the table together, become a real and intimate moment with you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. At Metro, we do communion by means of intinction. So that means you take a wafer, you dip it into the cup, and then you can take it. But what I would like to ask of you is that after you dip it, could you go back to your seats, and whoever you had your hand laid upon, could you just pray together before you take it? I think that would be amazing, right? We're going to have all the different stations up here, but to my left specifically, there's going to be a gluten-free station for those of you who have a gluten allergy, all right? So I would like to invite all of us to rise and come to the Lord's table. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, the rescue begin. Come find your mercy, a sinner come near. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't hear. Earth has no sorrow, that heaven can't hear. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who of your
Of your 
to leave.